Lights. Camera. You are, you are under, under investigation. investigation. Wait, I am? I thought you no, were. I, I feel like... Oh, I mean, I feel like twist. I could be because I've, you know, I have a past, but... Uh, Is that the twist? You're under investigation, but I'm under investigation? Yeah, it's it's all about... It's like, it's it's all about um, just general corruption. Well, I guess, you know, the only thing we have to do is roll, roll that, that intro. Roll that intro. Investigations are real good. I'm wearing a hat and you should too because investigation, Investi imagination. Jazz hands, jazz hands, jazz hands. Woo! So, right. Are we the jazz, the jazz hand detectives, or the Jazzy Boys Detective Agency? The jazzy Boys Detective, detective Agency. agency. Look at <laughs> And they're gonna be like, aren't you both old men? Yeah. I mean, I drink a lot of biotin, and I drink a lot of water, and I feel like um, ageism does not have a place in today's society. And that is where I, I take my stand, but I only say that because I'm old and I also have gout, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, I still say the Jazzy Boy Detective Agency is Jazzy a fine boy. name for a detective agency. Right. It's like it's like when you hear Menudo and you expect to hear and you expect to see these young kids dancing and it's like they're sixty. But you kind of feel the same just you know, you don't be you don't want them to wear the same type pants that they wore when they were uh younger younger children back in the 40 years well, I mean, isn't that why they keep getting rid of members of Menudo and just keep getting them younger? I mean, is that even a thing anymore, Menudo? I mean, I know it's a food I, still, I, but and it was a food prior to that, but I'm just saying, like, is it still a van? Like, I don't know. Like, that's, I, I feel like that's another podcast that we should do. Yeah, we should do. Let us know, everyone else. <laughs> Let us know if you would like us to have a Menudo strictly dedicated podcast, and we will definitely not do that because what the hell? <laughs> Let's talk about our yeah, podcast. Yeah, Cinemagic Podcast. Cinemagic. With your two best hosts, uh, the smartest and most intelligent jazzy boys, myself, Jonathan Gondua, and of course, Rick Acevedo. Thank um, you. Who, so, if we're the dual detectives, which one of us, am I, the, am I like the broken, bitter one? Or is that you? No, nah, you can never be broken or bitter. And trust me, there have been situations where anybody would be broken and embittered but you're you're like the light that shines everywhere so i i think that that really would only have to fit me by proxy um because i'm more like i'm more likely to jump to bitterness and brokenness <laughs> than you but are. you're the muscle i you're know definitely the muscle. yeah but the muscle people are usually very broken bitter and angry people also like if you if you if you've seen you know and i guess people need to know what we're talking about but you know if you've seen <laughs> You know, like, it usually kind of works. I was like, I'm mad. Why? I didn't get my my coffee this morning. My donuts were bad. <laughs> uh, you know. Well, I guess that means then that you are the, uh, okay, so you're the muscle, nah. who, right, is broken, mm -hmm. but broken. you found strength in jazz hands and solving mysteries. Jazz hands. And that's why you're part of the right. jazzy and, blood. Like, I mean, I've always felt that jazz hands were really kind of the way to go. Mm -hmm. Um... You know, I think that you show more masculinity by using the jazz hands. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, so I see there you go. So everyone look out for our new series called the Jazzy Boy Detective Agency. <laughs> Sorry, both of us. <laughs> Rick is the old bitter muscly man who found his strength through jazz hands. <laughs> Uh, and I think that makes me the chipper one who always sees the positive side of everything and, and, and solves mysteries through jazz hands and relates it all back to jazz right. hands. And, yeah. and it, it, it'll, it'll be very Americanized and it'll take us at least 15 minutes to solve the crime. Over <laughs> crimes that take a 12-year span to solve. Hey, we'll solve it in 15 minutes, man. That's just what we do. It's our promise to you. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like... Like there was a triple homicide, but actually you find out there was actually a rich person, but that was another conspiracy, and, right? That it and actually and it was it was that dude in the food it was that dude in the food truck, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll find that out in forty five minutes or less. Yeah. Guaranteed. Mm -hmm. We'll we'll mm -hmm. get all 100%. of it. One hundred percent. Bum 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 bum. We'll be done That's and right. out. 
unlike the things we're going to talk about today, which are European procedural movies. Uh, mostly foreign movies for all our American audiences over here. Not streaming, movies, yeah, and, and a lot of streaming shows, really. Yeah, uh, especially, yeah, a lot of those streaming shows, because that's, mm. for Americans, the way we get them, right? Uh, <laughs> we get them through streaming, mostly Netflix shows us a lot of good ones. Oh, yeah. Um, when that, that comes through. Really, I would say that Netflix probably has sort of been on the vanguard on that, because, I mean, I'm seeing stuff from networks that I was familiar with, like RTLE, uh, Movie Plus, and all these other, obviously the BBC, and um, what I find interesting about European procedurals is the fact that really they are of singular focus, and oftentimes it's like a limited series that will maybe bring back the character, but completely change the arc of said character at different you know different times which i think is fascinating to me anyway um it's a great way to write characters and it's an even better way to write stories that i think are easier to get invested in that's just my opinion oh i and i share that opinion with you and i think if just in case if anyone's out there is trying to think of what we're talking about i think the most famous case especially coming from netflix is luther right um sorry idris elder himself right um who mm -hmm. came back and as you said with arcs they did one limited series and then they'd come back mm -hmm. a couple of years later with another limited series with he, where he was at his time and mm -hmm. his life and over and over again um mm -hmm. that used to be hugely popular for a while then i think they're actually going to do another Luther season. well but see yeah. here's here's the thing though and, and i think to to provide greater context on, on why we're saying this you know we're we've been accustomed to like the way that the American landscape of television has changed. There's a lot of reality television, game show television, all these new sort of differently formatted um, series and everything. And now, uh, you know, the last bastions of, of scripted television that are week to week, um, as opposed to the way it was in the, in the 80s, where basically almost every show was a fictional, you know, um, interspersed with a few live shows here and there. But, you know, like, is the you know the crime solving shows like the csi franchise law and order franchise and stuff like that which don't get me wrong they're not bad shows but we were basically accustomed to seeing crime like serious crime solved within the scope of 45 minutes and and you know it's always like aha you know it's like you're close to the end and it's like the colombo movies where he would say one more thing and it's you know you would you would have that period of time, that hour, hour and a half, to just sort of think about, okay, who's the criminal? I really, I, I'm going with the psychiatrist, or I'm going with this, or sometimes it would show you the criminal, and they would work backwards and try to figure out how to get to this person as the criminal, right? Um, which is really kind of the case of Columbo movies. Um, but, you know, the reality of it is, is it does not take... You cannot solve a crime in one hour. Like, real life is a little different. Um, and I think that the difference between European procedurals, the fundamental difference between uh, European procedurals, is they focus on the one crime and they go over character arcs and how they evolve over the resolution of said crime. And that can be six episodes, that can be eight episodes. And, and really you kind of get in, invested in the character and seeing the character's progression and the story is a part of what builds that i you know and you really have to look also at shows like marcella the valhalla murders um jaguar to some extent which i really enjoy jaguar and you know um the lupon series also, it's it's a little bit of a whodunit, and I freaking love that show because it was brilliantly written. It's like, you know, they use Lupin as the frame character, but the guy's not playing Lupin. He's just taking every page out of Lupin's book, the actual books, which yeah. I think is absolutely brilliant. And, you know, you see this growth and evolution of characters... But you have that one singular story that's going to be covered from episode one through episode eight, as opposed to having twenty-five episodes where you've you've seen twenty-five different cases, and it and it pretty much becomes like, how you know what's going to be the case, what's going to be the story? Well, we have to do an amalgamation of crimes committed. Go ahead and get on the front page, or go ahead and get on you know your Google machine, because we got to see how many crimes have been committed so we can put like ten of them together that you know 
many of them are unresolved. We're going to solve them in an hour. You know? So. Of course, right from the headline. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> totally. I think, um, yeah. Um, and, you know, so, so I agree with you. So we have these things like, I'm going to mention another one, The Fall in the UK, which mm. is just a story about a serial killer uh, and a superintendent who's over to us. We've seen that serial killer story and how that wraps up. Right. Which, yes, we kind of have those, and I would want to say something like Hannibal is something more akin to it, but yeah. Hannibal still, you always are trying to solve the case of the week, right? They're always still trying to do that little procedure, the case of the week. We have to get through that. Yeah. Um, before we can tell a larger story, we always have to, American television. It, it doesn't feel like there's an interconnectedness, um, you know, and when it's interconnected, I think it's a lot more fun because... You know they're going to basically tell you the entire story toward the end, like retribution and, and, and stuff like that. But it took you three to four episodes to get there. And in the meantime, I didn't, I wasn't really given the opportunity to, to figure out, oh, this is the guy who done it. This is what done it. And it's like things start happening. And, and, and there's like subtleties there that don't exist, I don't think, in, in American television. Now, Certain. I know we're talking about you talked about Columbo. Of course, we have Matlock, right? Like we're gonna say, like Murder She Wrote. <laughs> we, we have a basis of these things. Basis. But I like to think that the honestly procedurals, the way that they do it, the way that they do it, and this may be a little bit of a tangent, but hear me out, people, is because of the one, the only. Scooby Dooby Doo. Right now, hear me out, right? So, a lot of the younger writers. <laughs> what a, I'm just saying, younger writers, when they're about to wrote the one there now, they grew up with Scooby Doo. And Scooby Doo is always about a half an hour left. You set up your mystery, you set up all the people involved, but you always unmask them by the end, right? And you have feel good. And any story that happens, happens in between the characters in that. But the story, the, the, the backdrop, whatever mystery they're solving, is whatever it doesn't really matter because you know they're always going to solve it mm -hmm. you know it's always the farmer dude who shows up or something like that's not the important part of scooby-doo and i feel no. all the procedurals have taken that and understood that to logical format they're like scooby-doo's for adults i i have to agree only because okay so scooby-doo first of all if you actually look back because you you brought up a, a litany of shows that started in the 80s, like Murder, She Wrote, Matlock, all this stuff. These shows, all right, the people that were writing these shows that were maybe in their 20s or 30s or whatever, they had to have been in their teens when Scooby-Doo started, because Scooby-Doo started in 69. Mm -hmm. So it's not illogical to think that that's what happened. I mean, someone might want to like be more mature about it and say, oh, watch Perry Mason, please. Perry Mason was off the air in 1964, I believe, or something like that. And um, after that, Raymond Burr was doing Ironside, which, you know, and I mean, you had procedurals back then also, like in the 70s and stuff like Ironside mm. and Mannix. You had Barnaby Jones with uh, the legendary late great uh, Buddy Epson from the Beverly Hillbillies and stuff like that. So, you know, it's not that they weren't there, but again, the formula was pretty much always the same. Things would be resolved within the hour period because I think that part of the thought process was, well, no one's going to want to see the same case. You know, and in American television, American television, you know, was all about, hey, can we jam 40 episodes into this season? It's like, you're talking about building 40 freaking hours of television. I mean, that changed, but even in the 80s, you still had shows that would do... 25 episodes per season that was like standard it's not easy yep. to produce 25 episodes you know no i agree with you and i know law and order is gonna be originator so people are gonna take me to task but the reason i pick scooby-doo versus those because a lot of those are singulars if you think about having a team and establishing roles mm -hmm. scooby-doo does it um more than these other procedures were centered around one central character Right, well, like but see, with with, with with Agatha Christie, yeah. See that that's Who one thing though. Really puts a team together. Solving yeah, mystery that's one thing because the team is the important dynamic, not the not the mystery. Yeah, and I think that with you know you brought up Law and Order, with Law and Order, Law and Order. You wanted to see the whole sort of process play out. But the team could sort of, rev like, there could be a revolving door. I think 
SVU is a little bit different in that you've had like Mariska Hargitay and people like that, Ice uh, Ice T, and he's still on the team on the main team. But like the original Law and Order, which ran for twenty I think years or nineteen years, I think it was long twenty, almost like. 30. Well, but Law and Order SVU is I think it's on his twenty second season right now. Yes, no, the original Law and Order. I thought that was above twenty. I think it was twenty. Twenty or... seasons. It started in nineteen ninety. Right. Uh, Sorry, I I gotta look up the original series because all we know is Law and Order. They have uh, tons of them. Uh <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's a whole franchise, you know. And and people like there's been a revolving door of characters that, unless you're paying attention and you get involved in one specific character, they've had like a ton of characters. A ton of people play the cop. A ton of people play the DA. Um, and it's not, you know. What I like about European procedurals, and I'll, and I'll I'll use for example Marcella. Marcella is. I've watched all three seasons of Marcella, or all three series of Marcella, because that's how they refer to it: series one, series two, and series three. Um, over a, I, I want to say it's like a three or four day period, you know. Um, I was really heavily invested in the character of Marcella because she comes back to you know to doing police work but almost everybody in the station is a dick to her her ex-husband is a dick to her even her kids are dicks like yep. you get really invested in this character and she's like got some serious issues but at the same time she's really trying to do good. So you get invested in the character and the story is 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 you know it'll draw you but you're as invested in her well-being mm -hmm. as you are in the story if not more so and her growth and evolution over the three different series. And mind you, it's like every single show, there's there's that beginning moment, right, where you're like, okay, well, let's see where this is going to take me. And then there's that ending moment where you've seen your character come full circle. Lupin, another great example. Asandi up, the character, he, he's got the Lupin thing, and you're like, man, this is criminal, it's cool, because, you know, you've got the cops that are trying to catch him, and you got him, and he's got, the like, the wife and the kid, and it's awesome. But then, you know, you start understanding the story of his father, Babakar, who was just trying to give his son a better life. And then yep. he gets fucked over in the worst of ways. All right? And so at this point, you know, Hassan has to grow up and grow quickly. And the one thing that stands out in his life that his father gave him was a book about Lupin, the master thief. So he reads the entire series and the 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 whole thing plays out like the master series you know like the yep. like the book series of lupon and you watch this and even though asan is i don't want to use the word criminal because i think as a thief he's not really attempting he's a gentleman everybody. he's I a mean, gentleman he, thief he you know he takes off for lupon he doesn't really kill yeah, he's, he's not, not really he's not a killer or anything like that you cheer for him to succeed like that is really becoming involved in your protagonist and the and just the level of success that your protagonist will have like at that point you don't give two shits that he's a that he's a master thief or anything you care about the fact that you want this guy to win because he's been done wrong and the people that did him wrong need to fucking be brought to justice and hey getting rich with a 20 million dollar diamond is not a it's not a bad thing you know yeah no i agree so, with you uh, you know, and, and when we're talking about these, the difference, I'm, I'm just trying to think of the of the most stark difference I could think of. Sherlock and Sherlock, right? Mm -hmm. Like the Sherlock when it was on on BBC and then the CBS, which I think just finally ended the Sherlock on CBS, <laughs> which turned Sherlock into a crime procedural, which were going on the same exact time. Mm -hmm. Of course, the BBC one was very limited. They did them every couple of years, two to three episodes, limited series run. Um, which each one's like a movie, with Godot Benner and Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman, where they really try to do a deep dive in between their relationship and mm. really get, like, the mystery really solved and take their time through it. Where the CBS procedural 
really threw it all on the wall every episode. Like, it was just like, yeah. hey, we're going to do famous ones. They'll be done in like 30 minutes. Don't even worry about it. Uh, where, <laughs> where the BBC one literally took its time. Had very little, like, in terms of how much they're doing, very little time to even make their characters, make their situations, make their storylines. But because it was so deeply invested in the characters and the mystery themselves, rather than the mystery of the week, you still see much more people talk about the BBC Sherlock than you would the CBS Sherlock, which I know has its fans. Don't get at me, fans. I know. <laughs> but but here's. That's fans. But I'm glad you brought really that up. But I'm I'm glad you brought that up because. Let me go way back. You become inv- you become invested in a character. You want the character to either succeed or you want the character to be caught or whatever. I mean, I was watching um, the season finale of of uh, Narcos Mexico season three, which I believe is the last Narcos are going to do, and um, the character of Walt Breslin is one that I did not care about because I felt that even though he's technically supposed to be the hero in the saga, he's got no moral, no real moral compass. When it comes to, you know, to doing his job, and like I'm on episode two, so don't spoil. I'm not gonna spoil. I'm not gonna spoil it, but I don't know if, if you felt that way too. Oh, where you look at Breslin, and it's like I want to cheer for you, but I can't because you're an asshole. That's my. I whole, mean, you know what I'm saying? Like you get either. Yeah, I I I feel like Narcos Mexico is missing. Well, no, the first scene it had it with Pena. Because Pena was in the first season, right? That was still my favorite. Pena was in the first season, first and season. then Camarena was in seasons two and three, I believe. Yeah. So, um, Pena and Pascal's characters in, like, the previous Narcos and Frizo and Nar- Narco Mexico had a charisma to them that really, like, drew you in. Also, they were, real, like the they were based on real people, too. Like, Breslin is actually a composite, so when you're creating a character, it's like you're manipulating, you're, you're managing that silly putty. But... Yes. My, and there's nothing on the actor, but his character's just missing. No, it's that just a character. Yeah, they had a little going for them in previous. Yeah, seasons. like what my problem is, and, and I'm talking now about character investment. Going back to, it's like think about a show like Magnum PI. I love Magnum PI. Magnum was a sort of like a he was brilliant, and he was a good detective, and he had a good heart. But part of his problem was he wasn't a mature individual. He had been in, in naval intelligence for like 12 years. That's character backstory and stuff like that. And he could resolve a crime and everything. But he wasn't a mature guy. So everything revolved around eventually trying to make him mature. And it took eight years to do that. And really they did that in, in the final episode of the series where all of a sudden he realizes his daughter's still alive. He re-enlists in naval intelligence, leaves the, leaves the mansion, and then becomes all of a sudden mature. You know, but you've given me seven years of, of him being sort of this fun-loving kind of mm. goofy guy that I cheer for. And I think that where they write procedurals really well in, um, in Europe is the fact that I don't need seven years to do that. Like, I can actually do that within the scope of those episodes. Um, you know, like... The show um, that I was watching recently, which was Retribution, it was Scottish. It was about this, uh, you know, it's only four episodes. So it's basically a limited series. But again, yeah. I, I knew what characters I was cheering for. I know what characters I didn't like. I was allowed to make that decision um, fairly quickly. And I mean, that, I guess that speaks to the fact that, you know, we like... Um, instant gratification at times even with our characters on television but i guess i just i want to be able to see the story all the way through in a more realistic manner yeah we we want to be able to take our time with yeah it, right because one thing especially american studios are doing uh and i'm going to say that's changing that is true people feel like that's not true it's changing it is changing because we are getting influence from other places and especially as we recreate shows from other places as well i.e broad church or anything else we start taking in those type of lessons, right? <laughs> and and they're becoming shorter too in episodes. In episodic runs, they're becoming a lot shorter, even That's for true. networks. Yeah, and I, and I, and I think I think it's because we're we're an American. We're learning from it, and I think mm-hmm. you like that. 
We're learning now. You'll see things like Lovecraft Country now or the new Perry Mason, which I think is great. Uh, the new Perry Mason HBO is great, but a great example of what we're talking about because now it's one mystery. Like, you know, <laughs> like Perry Mason is very much a procedural. The original Perry Mason was very much like a procedure we're talking about. Yeah. Episode done and over. And then when they recreated the new one for HBO Max, no, it's one season takes just one mystery. <laughs> Nothing else. They're, they're elongating it. Uh, so we're seeing that like influence now in American television from this model as more people are getting familiar with this European, seeing it on TV, writing for it, growing up with it a bit and wanting to do your own. You start to see the shift to be like, oh, we should actually just take our time, learn the people. That is just as engaging as it is to kind of rush through mystery of the week. I, I I totally agree with you on that. I think that, um, and also when it's made more realistic, um, another great example is um, the Valhalla Murders. I don't know if you had a chance to watch that, but the Valhalla Murders tells the story over eight episodes of. You know, they're trying to find a murderer. You see the evolution of the characters. And you see really interesting things. Like, for example, cops, um, I believe it was in Norway, they keep their guns in a safe in the back of a car, meaning they will not engage in a situation with a gun, primarily because they're solving a crime with wits and evidence and proper investigative technique. And I'm not saying that we don't do that because, you know, but it's so much more fun to have the pow and the bang on screen. But realistically, you know, when you when you want to see something that comes closer to reality, I think they're doing a good job of that too. Because at that point, you see the characters and it's like, Oh no 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 my you know I need to, I need like there was in one um one episode about Hell Murders where I think her partner's inside a warehouse or something she's like I need the 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 freaking code for his safe to get his gun you know and I think that actually adds to the suspense of it Yes. That and I love that added suspense because that makes me believe more in the heroics of the character that are like, okay, what do I have to do? I'm gonna have to get this gun. I'm gonna have to do this. I'm gonna have to, do, you know. And you see it in real time, and it, it adds to. You're like, oh my god, oh my god, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? She's gonna get the safe. She's gonna get the safe. What, what if there's somebody else out there? Like you're thinking about ten things happening at the same time. And it's, yep. you know, and it, it, it builds up to that. And I think, um, you know, Jaguar, which is more action-driven, but again, it goes back against the realistic landscape, which is based on the Nazi hunters of the 1960s, and it takes place in Spain. You have this group of Nazi hunters, and the one girl that gets in to become, one you know, part of the Nazi hunters... She basically gets found out in the restaurant because she's trying to kill this um, uh, character. Was a, I believe a composite of Otto? I forget what his last name is, but he lived in Spain for a while and he was he was a Nazi. Um, but she wants to kill this guy. She wants to murder him because um, he had something to do with the death of I believe her brother and her family. And she's about mm. to do it in a restaurant, and then she's leaving the restaurant, chasing him with a gun quietly, and they build the suspense. And finally, she ends up having to defend himself herself from the group of, of uh, Nazi hunters that she would eventually join, which I think is um, like a phenomenal premise. You know, so I I yeah. think that there's much more suspense added, real suspense. You know, because. In every procedural, and I'm going to pose this question to you, John. In every okay. procedural you've ever seen, how many times does the hero get shot and put in a situation where you think they're going to die, but they never do, and then they make a miraculous full recovery? Every procedural. Has right. It. And how many, time, how many times does that actually happen? It happens once in the procedural. Because you need that 
you need to build that suspense moment so people stay interested because usually it was all about I want to have this show on television for the next 10 years or for the next 5 or 6 or 7 for a, a you know profitable run you know yeah no I agree with you and I think and this is why American Caesar I think uh, happens is that the characters eventually everything that happens to them starts getting really ridiculous and really too much because they always have to keep hyping up the drama you know and once you've done it once you've done it now everything and because each episode has to have drama not a season or a series of someone dealing with it but each episode it just starts getting crazy and crazy and crazier what is our i'm, I'm the, the the one with the uh, uh fbi task force with the serial killers uh, uh criminal minds I don't oh, know yeah. why I forgot that. But the premise of like what those characters go through start going literally insane uh, just to keep up the drama with them because they're, they they ruin every serial killer because they do a different serial killer every week. Where I was talking about The Fall, which took three seasons to deal with one serial killer. Like, you know, like, reminds had a different serial killer every week. So now we got to do drama amongst the characters. So now, like, one of them has to get caught by the serial killer, and one of the mama has to get caught, and the next season, their kid gets turned into a serial Like, it just starts getting insanely crazy well, I uh, to try to keep the dramas and the stakes, the stakes viable for any of these characters. I was having I was having a conversation with my stepfather about this the other day. You know, he was a prosecutor for years, and I asked him, I said, why didn't you ever watch... Because, um, I mean, he loved action and stuff, but he, you know, he would watch shows like Airwolf and, and things like that, and I, I asked him, why didn't you ever watch Law and & Order and, and stuff like that, and just plainly put, he looks at me and says, because it's bullshit. First of all, you're not going to solve a crime in an hour, Second of all, you're not going to make me of all people believe that, you know, um, it's that simple because oftentimes what becomes an issue for prosecutors and, and, and detectives is light, it's like you have to hurry up and wait for the evidence. And sometimes that's very hard to find. Um, mm. And he told me that. He was like, you know, it, it's real easy to make it look like it's this happy little world but you could be working on a case for months sometimes years you know yeah it reminds me my dad's a doctor at house uh house the show back in the day which is based on crime procedurals technically because it's supposed to be a sherlock crime procedural just with medical mysteries uh but you know house has himself and three or more sometimes the brightest doctors available uh and they all maybe work on one patient <laughs> that's about it <laughs> well you know you want to talk about medical procedurals there was one prior to house with dick van dyke the you know legendary 96 year old i think now dick van dyke and it was it was diagnosis murder and essentially it was about a, a doctor basically solving crimes kind of on the side really and I asked all that free time that doctor. Yeah, all that free. And my dad and my dad told me and my and I asked my stepdad. I said because I he used to watch Diagnosis Murder occasionally. He's like, I asked him, I said, why do you like Diagnosis Murder? He's like, because it's comedy to me. Because see, <laughs> that's a ridiculous premise. First of all, doctors don't have that amount of time. Um, <laughs> second of all, it's illegal for you to go poking around in active police investigations. So it's funny to me. And at the same time, it's like it's like the who done it premise where it's like, well, it's clearly the lady who who I operated on with the with the pipe in the living room kind of situation. Different story altogether. But when it's something that you're basing it on reality, and and again, here's where we go back to, to European procedure is like, take your time to tell me the story, you know, because you know, I maybe want to understand what drives a criminal mind. And just because you tell me that a guy was pissed off from the time that he was five years old within the context of a one-hour show, and therefore that is why he became, a, you know, a murderer um, and killed 17,000 people with one hand and a deer knife, that's not... You're not giving me an opportunity. You're building a villain that is so heinous that you know I'm not gonna like him because how could you cheer for that guy but 
you know, it's not even about how could I cheer for that guy or, or what could I think about him. Is You're not giving me time enough to understand them or understand anything mm -hmm. about him. And sometimes yep. people want to understand how criminals are 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 driven not because they want to you know imitate the same fucking thing it's just that they want to understand what drives this criminal to do a b and c no, no. you know like, and, and i and i think again that's that is the better time like when you have mm -hmm. a chance to just sit mm -hmm. down and explore your villain and your heroes in in this sense procedurals are kind of like that right our 100%. cops usually even in european procedure are good guys the villain is your criminal very de very defined roles but we get to see the impact i think in european procedurals a lot too on communities and people and grow this character and the tension where we could be missing when it's the crime of the week because you don't have time to build those you just need quick tension you hear the shot cut to commercial was anybody shot? Nope. All right, keep going. Like you no, know, that's like, just American I saw the procedure. guy. I saw the guy walking away and leaving, leaving a bloody footprint, which I know basically is going to is going to be um, part of how the crime gets solved. They're gonna scrub up the the bloody footprint, send it on the micro microscope, and be like, "It wasn't Doctor Johnson. It was his son, Mikey. He's protecting his son." <laughs> You're talking about evidence. Um, I'm really wondering this thing because there's studies that have been shown here in America um, that shows like criminal mind CSI and stuff are really hard on the legal system because people believe there's this abundance of evidence that should be found for people instead of the opposite that evidence is really hard to come by. DNA, bloody footprints, all this is not left behind in every crime that these crime procedurals show that it's real easy to solve crimes. They're just always sloppy, and you can find a lot of evidence, and everybody remembers everything perfectly. You can just talk. I wonder if that's the same case in Europe, and I, I haven't read any studies towards that. I've only read U.S. studies. I wonder if that's the same case in Europe, because I feel like most of theirs take much more time, so maybe they have a little better with their legal system. Actually, you know, they're very good at, um, at checking out evidence. Um, they have really solid laboratories, and I think one of the problems that, that you have here um, and, and this veers away from it really, but not that much. It's the fact that, you know, and like if you watch a show like CSI, you're like, oh my God, I didn't know they made air screens. Oh, that is so cool. They can see the screens. It, it's like, no, that's just really good fucking editing and, and, and visual effects. That's not how crime labs look. And that's definitely not how they work at all. You know, yep. it's, it's all about... Yeah. <laughs> it's just like... Enhance it. Now change the audio. Now circumvent. <laughs> give, give me a different angle. Circumvent. On this please give me, image? <laughs> give me the position of the Earth at that specific moment. You know, because we have access to NASA, apparently. I don't know. It's like where, you know, there, it's like they're giving you the reality of what it looks like, what it sounds like, and what the rules are. It's like what the game, what are the, the rules of the game for this? You know, um... Uh, you know what's funny? Dexter, speaking of something that's coming out this week that was kind of like a crime procedural, wow. um, Dexter that came out this past weekend, his office is more akin to what crime labs do look like than, <laughs> than some like CSI. The office, just, the office is just fucking the closet Flash. With some stuff. The Flash, <laughs> who is a CSI, and, and that's his job on both the show and the, like, that's what that looks like. <laughs> I mean, it's not, you know... It's not this elaborate. Uh, no, to, to say to say that to say that you know people you know to, to to want to take some liberties with reality is one thing, and I get that. But to make it so freaking you know, like elaborate, you're like, man, I want to be a CSI. Yeah, you become a CSI, and then they throw you in with an old Bosch and Lum microscope. And, and three IBM computers because every police department across the country is different. Some don't even have actual crime labs. Mm. It's one of those things where it's like, oh, well, this isn't what I was signed up for. I thought that I would get to make smart quips and wear my sunglasses and be like, you know, having the, the who play in the background or whatever. And I'm like, no, that's, that's not the case. And that's why I like European procedurals in that respect because they're pretty damn realistic. And, and they're always going to have an antagonist and they're always going to have this, like, 
less likely premise, some of them, because right now I'm watching one called The Unlikely Murder about the murder of a Prime Minister, Olaf. It was from Sweden. Um, he was killed coming out of the movie theater with his wife. Just a very normal, casual day. Very cold. He came. He was coming out of a movie theater and he was murdered in plain sight. He, he did not have an escort or anything like that because, you know, gun violence is not that common in other countries. Different podcast, different date, different subject yeah, altogether. Yeah, yeah, we're we're yeah, not gonna go yeah. there, but it's a fact. Yeah, you know, a hundred percent. Yeah, those, those <laughs> amendments, those amendments just aren't necessary. <laughs> listen, man, Matrix. Listen, man. The other day there was a school shooting uh, in America, and we decided that the problem was the backpacks that kids could have. So yeah. if they didn't have backpacks, then you know the school shooting is may go down. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> The abundance of guns and the ease of having them is not going to actually... It's the backpacks, right? It's the backpacks, the backpacks, sure. You can't see what's in their backpacks, therefore, uh, you're supposed to know if they have something. The but backpacks are the problem. That's why I always used to dump my kid's backpack on the, uh, you know, whenever he would say he had no homework. I was like, let me see. Uh, you know, see, that's, and, that's and, why I refuse to give any kid a backpack. and have to hold everything in their hands. Build core strength. <laughs> Get the little bring back the belts for the books. You remember those? <laughs> this, that's gonna be. You know, we should get on that. That's gonna be the new fashion. That's gonna be that. Yeah, that's gonna be the, the book back belt. But uh, <laughs> you know, back to that. It's like the the guy was murdered. Uh, the prime minister was murdered. Olaf. Forget what his name was. Look up. Can you look up the unlikely murder? I'm just, um, yeah. Because I always like his last name just escapes me. I'm not very good with Swede last names. No, you know what? For all the Swedish listeners out there, I'm very sad um, for them. Yeah. The way that you said that. Oh, I, I the love. Unli- is it the unlikely murder? The unlikely murder. Yes. Okay. I have to find that out. So the the Swedish prime minister, Olaf. he gets killed. You keep going. Why I looked at? I'm just oh. trying to look his look his name up. Um, Olaf. Oh, of they don't have- he was he was you know he was murdered and that caused headlines all over the world and this guy and basically the murder was solved um, after the guy actually supposedly had killed himself the huh. the murderer. P-A-L-M-E. Oh, Olaf Palma. Palma. That's what it was. Uh, and I was watching the show yesterday. So I should know better. You know, so my apologies to all our sweet listeners. I, you know, I just didn't want to, you know, butcher the last so, name. So, so our producer, cut all that. And if you're not going to cut it, good. Because Rick should do his research and I blame him completely. Hey, I was watching this <laughs> yesterday. This is... There's nothing wrong with this. <laughs> I love Sweden. I do because it's a beautiful country. But um, but you know the murder of all of Palma was one of those things where you can't you can't even with like the JFK assassination you'll see episodes of television shows or what have you or things that pretend to go from beginning to end on a story that has been playing out for 57 plus years now it's going to be 58 years since the assassination of jfk we will never really find out at this point who did that but it's like whenever you see people talk about it they want to i gotta stop you right there you're just spreading misinformation were you not at dallas a couple of weeks back expecting jfk to come back up because he obviously faked his assassination in order to get in front of the deep state and so did his son i mean duh rick oh yeah you're right i mean i'm sorry i was there at dallas i was at the grassy knoll first and then i went to the book depository with all the other supporters who are just waiting for jfk to come back uh, to show him that he was still alive, like you know, right? Because that's, that's what we do in America. Because mathematically, it's not like he would be 104 years old and therefore, you know, in perfect condition at 104. He was supposed to come, but you know, I guess his uh, sciatica was acting up or something, so his motorcade just didn't come by. The point is, all the rest of my Q people will see you back at the grassy knoll, you know, a couple weeks from now or another month from now. We'll see him. We're gonna be there. That's yeah, I I agree. He'll be there. 
Uh, um, uh, by the way, I am joking. If anybody, in case anybody doesn't get it out there, by by not... the time by the time you see this on our up and coming YouTube channel, I just want to make something very clear. We do joke a lot. It is called having a sense of humor. <laughs> All right, we have a sense of humor about life, politics, religion, pretty much just about everything. We have a sense of humor. So if for some um, goodness forsaken reason, like the fact that we said grassy knoll, you're going to protest. Please do not. We have no time for you or your nonsense. Yes, actually, go back with the other Q supporters on the grassy knoll and just like yeah, just fucking wait for disappear. something that is obviously <laughs> not true to happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but you know, getting back, getting back to this is like one of those situations where this has got six episodes out. Mm. Those six episodes are basically focusing on the initial portion of the investigation. Now, I don't know if they're going to actually further. Um, do this because a lot of times with these European procedures, what they'll do is they'll be produced, they'll go out, they'll have, you know, they'll test domestic success in their own country, um, country of origin. So let's say if it came out in a RTL Plus or you know, or Movie Star Plus or whatever, it'll it'll be there first, and then it'll come to Netflix. Now Netflix is getting to the point where they're commissioning this series and it'll be released on their on the you know market Netflix first. And then it'll come to the to the states and and what have you but you know i think realistically speaking i think that these are a lot of fun to watch and i and i get that you get a greater investment into it i think yeah i, I i'm there with you a hundred percent uh i and i keep going back to the more american influence not more american influence how America is being influenced by these. Because uh, I really do think that you're starting to see that change in our own television. Mm. And we're starting to become the era of prestige drama. And I really think that's really the influence from other procedures that just started because of streaming, really get popular and flood us kind of here. All right. And well, then we we've in turn have taken part of that inspiration and do it more and more and more. One of the ones, one, uh, one of the, the companies that I think did a great job of this to the point where a lot of, you know, and I'm, and I know I'm going to say this and people are going to bite my head off for it. Um, and I'm sorry, but I have a way of backing this up. Um, Marvel, when they did the Marvel night series in Netflix, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, even Iron Fist, which I didn't care for that much. Um, Daredevil no. and Punisher. They no. were action, no. but, but, there was a process and a procedure that they were trying to find through alliances and everything the big bad for that season and mm -hmm. they always stuck to, and within that 13 episodes there would be the inciting incident an introduction to the main character the you know the progress through the middle and then the resolution at the end and i really think that that was you know, a great way of taking characters that are a lot closer to reality because, yeah, they are heroes, but with the exception of Luke Cage and maybe Jessica Jones, like, I mean, an Iron Fist, too, I guess, because, you know, the fist. I have the fist. But, um, no, you know. Don't, don't, can we just pretend Iron Fist did not exist? Can we just, for my own sake. Hey, man, that last episode two, was season money. Season two was good. Season two. The last like episode was child, like phenomenal. No. The last episode was phenomenal. But it's yeah, the last yeah. episode. I, I like everyone but the main character in Iron Fist and anything. <laughs> you don't like you don't like Danny Rand who comes in barefoot look like looking like he's been in Nashram for twelve years and like I've got the fist. I don't like the idiot that's Danny Rand who disappeared in the early nineties in that series but doesn't know anything of technology as if, as if he didn't grow up with any of it. Um like I understand he went away as a kid, but he still knew things existed he still had video games and television beforehand it's like oh i haven't seen this in a while versus like huh what could this possibly be like oh get out it's, it's an 8-bit system <laughs> i uh, the, the the hatred of iron fist this is, this is not about iron fist or review and iron fist but my hatred of everything danny ran and and anything doing with danny ran Colleen Wing should have been the Iron Fist in the beginning of this thing, and I should have never ever dealt with Danny Rand. Truthfully, they wrote they wrote um, Danny Rand incorrectly. 
because in animated shows it's a completely different story but that's another story for a different day like yeah yeah, uh, i mean but going back to that it's like having that resolution where if i want to binge on it i'm going to get to that resolution and i don't have to wait and at the same time i'm not getting it basically force-fed either that's um that's a lot of fun so uh, as we start wrapping up here, uh, can you talk about one of your favorite ones probably that you've watched, if you have a favorite? Oh, man, there's so many, but I, I have two favorites. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat here, and I'm going to take the cheap way out and just say that I have two favorites because it's true. Uh, Marcella being one of them, um, and then uh, I would have to say Lupin because it deals on the reverse side of procedurals, which I think is awesome. So, yeah, I, I love the so those so, two I love. So um, I'm I'm gonna go with Luther because I, I can't go. It's one of the originals. Oh, he Ildris Elba, dude. That's he, he kills it as Luther. Uh, um, okay, I, wait a I second. Love, hold up, hold up. I take issue with you saying that because he fucking kills it as everything. So just you know, he does. He does. He, he does. Them's fighting he, words, bro. Don't don't be talking shit about Ildris. I mean, he really does. <laughs> you know? and I'm 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 a Luther's great. Uh, Lupin's great too. So yeah. you know that's that's my flip side. So I'll do that one. Uh, but really, if you haven't watched Luther, he's a brilliant, gritty detective who likes to solve things using jazz hands. As he's part of the Jazzy Boys detective agency. Jazz hands. Jazz uh, hands. <laughs> Solving crimes with pizzazz. I, I'm just saying, as a sequel series to Luther, the Jazzy Boy detective agency. It's great because no one will see it coming and they'll love it because the thing will fit in great with the Jazzy Hand Detectives. <laughs> it's coming through. Uh, <laughs> for those who don't know Luther, he is like a gritty, it's a gritty detective drama, very gritty. Uh, like, it yeah. is very tortured. So that's why I think he's perfect for the Jazzy yeah. Hand. Uh, what let's say uh so no but i really do love luther i i really do think that that helps spur the americans love so i think i think that the establishing shot on the jazzy on the jazzy boys detective agency is going to be like we we're in there typing on old typewriters with jazzy hands and luther's just sitting in a corner just plotting how the fuck he's gonna mess us up both no, no, no. We do the whole first episode, right? Like, regularly, Jazzy Boy, me and you, we get to learn you. We keep talking about our boss, right? And no one, like, or a partner, a partner or a boss. You're like, oh, yeah, the, par- the partner back at the office. Right. And so when we get there, everybody's going to think, and we keep talking about them in a very, like, upbeat way, how they're, they're, like, nicest one there and everything. And then when they come, it's just Luther there. That's the way it should end. The ending of the scene is him like, yeah, you fucked it up again <laughs> yeah but, but it's gotta be it's gotta be super british and just straight up smooth because idris elba's like the smoothest dude on the planet oh 100 percent. you know like 100%. you pretty much can't you just can't go wrong with with that dude on anything so oh so i because I, I want to talk more about idris elba so i'm gonna do this because i'm gonna do recommendations for things that people should watch like we always did now we gave you our favorites so of course watch those but I'm going to go with my other one, which is The Harder They Fall, which is on Netflix. Ah, yes. Movie, uh, with an all-black cast, Idris Elba, also in it as well. And it is a phenomenal spaghetti western movie. If you're into it, uh, spaghetti westerns or westerns of any kind, or if you haven't seen one, it is fantastic and amazing. And I want you all to watch it right now. Um, we already had this in the belt for our 40th episode. If not, I'm just going to make Rick watch it and discuss it today well actually but, i'm I, it's on my queue already and i'm probably gonna end up watching it either today or tomorrow just because i mean aside from the fact that i'm uh, an idris elba fan it's got the beautiful sexy phenomenally talented uh just gorgeous gorgeous zazzy beats and mm-hmm. every time i see her on anything i mean since deadpool 2 i was like head over heels i'm like man she's like amazing just Oh yeah, Regina King's in it. I mean, the whole cast is amazing. Yeah, the whole cast is honestly amazing. They all kill. No, they, you, you got a massive, a massive talent. Cast uh, so you know, uh, maybe we'll talk about it next week. Who knows? I love westerns, so I'm a western fan to begin mm-hmm. with. Uh, but so the harder they fall, just up my head. Idris Elba gets to play a villain. Uh, he doesn't usually play villains, and he does so well playing a good menacing. There's there's yeah. only one thing I can never forget. Uh, forgive um, Idris Elba for, but then again, I can never forgive anyone who was a part of this. And it's cats. 
Oh, I, I, like, I don't forgot about that. Yeah, I was you know, say the only other time he played a villain was in uh, Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw, which was but awesome. Then, yeah, you're 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 right. Which was awesome. I love that. I loved Hobbs and Shaw. Um, yeah. I don't watch Fast and Furious movies, but I I love Hobbs and Shaw was phenomenal. But you know, as far I forgot as, about cats. As far as cats goes, I mean, I would say he played a villain just because. That's a shit movie, and everyone there is a villain because what the Technically, hell? Technically, he's the villain of Cats, but the villains of Cats is the movie itself. The well, all right, and I mean, writers. cats are generally villains. You have a cat, you know, they're not going to tolerate any any human my, shit. So. Nesuko is a pretty baby, all right? She's my pretty baby kitty. She is so pretty, all right? And she is, <laughs> she is a terror at times, but she is lovely and sweet, okay? <laughs> don't don't you pretend that Stephen one of Stephen King's most famous horror novels is not called Cujo. It's not called Kitty Cat. It's called Cujo because it's a dog. No, he did. No, wait a second. Uh, just so that for the people that don't know this, this is an actual fact that may not one hundred percent be vetted or even true, but it is a fact. Um, I don't actually know the definition of the word fact, so I may be lying, but I'm also. <laughs> be telling a creative truth after Cujo he did the manuscript for Mittens and Mittens was basically the cousin of Cujo which is not actually biologically possible but for the purposes of this story yes it was 100% and Mittens was a cat which had lasers and killed people they didn't publish it if you go for it yeah so as that was the basis for the movie Skinwalkers Sleepwalk Sleepwalkers which were cats who were kind of like vampires that was the only one that wasn't based on a Stephen King novel for his movies that he wrote the screenplay um, to. And that one does have villainous cats. You know, I mean, I want to say yeah just because I'm making this whole shit up, but, you know. Oh, oh, I'm not making it up. Sleepwalkers is about no, I... two, two cats, <laughs> uh, a mother and a son cat who have sex with each other because, you know, I guess, uh, who need <laughs> virgins in order to keep them young. And no, no, they're vampires. They're vampire cat-like creatures who actual cats don't like ever and like hate them and attack them on sight. Listen, it, Stephen King used to do a lot of cocaine. <laughs> and he's very adamant and talks about it. And sometimes if you look at some early Stephen King stuff and you go, wait, what? I'm just going to say the answer probably is cocaine. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I, I guess, sure. I mean, you know, cat in, uh, yeah, wow. Incestuous um, cat vampire monsters who get attacked by cats. I mean, I, I just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just assuming what that pitch was like, and they were like, "All <laughs> right, brilliant." What the fuck? Well, that was a good pitch. <laughs> That was a wonderful pitch. Get him a line immediately and some bonbons. What? And let's throw some hookers dressed as cats in the mix. And we can have them singing and dancing. One of them will be named Mr. Mistopheles. Wait, wasn't that a different series altogether? We should do a series about cat detectives, like a cat procedural, where all they do is just meow, like just meow, <laughs> and like, and they have the subtitles of of the cats actually like literally solving the cases. They just meow, and they're about to solve the case, but then all of a sudden they find like the cutest yarn ball and some catnip, and then just the case all goes up to hell and it doesn't get resolved or anything like that, you know. I, I like it. I like it. That's what the Jazzy Boy Detective Agency side project is. When the cases get too tough, they work on their comics, oh, which is cat. about a bunch of cats solving crimes with me. Yeah. So, so Teenage Mutant Cat Detectives, not related, <laughs> you know. See, now we're having a Jazzy Boy Detective Agency cinematic universe, right? <laughs> It's gonna be like that South Park episode with when uh, Cartman was doing the origin stories. Uh, you know that would be that would work. Yeah. We're gonna, so we're that, that's what we're doing place. over here. Watch the Jazzy Boy Detective Agency. <laughs> and 
so to to all our peeps, let a, let a, um, we just want to let you know we will be launching a YouTube channel. So tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your brother, tell your sister, your grandparents, your cats, your dogs. Um, tell everyone that you know because we will be uh, launching a YouTube channel very soon, and you'll get to see our pretty mugs on the last forty. Count them forty. Um, amazing podcast that we've done mm -hmm. because you know we are highly entertained by everything that we talk about and we know you'll be highly entertained and even if you're not entertained and all you want to do is troll us we love you oh uh, we love our trolls yeah we love this our trolls babies this is the number one podcast that loves their trolls right that's so. right because we know, and we want to say this to all our trolls directly, we know you're not loved by anybody else and no one else cares about you, but we do. We, we do. 100% do. So much. Next time they're meeting at the Grassy Knolls, you'll see us there. All you trolls, just go out over there. Um, you'll, you'll or or, or if you want to meet up at a yoga studio or whatever, at the Matrix, wherever you want to meet up, man, we'll be there for you. We'll, we'll be there. We'll be right. there to sign your autograph and allow you to bask in our greatness. Yes. All the time. Jazz hands out. <laughs> Panama hats in. <laughs> so, everyone out there, like I said, thank you so much. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe. We'll see you next week on another great episode of Cinemagic. Cinemagic.